This is Sam Glynn, and you're listening to Cyber 321, plain English cyber in three articles, two numbers, and one action. It is Friday, the 6th of May, 2022. And in the first of three articles this week, on World Password Day, which was yesterday, Apple, Google, and Microsoft announced the end of passwords. As I'm sure you know, yesterday was World Password Day, celebrating one of technology's biggest headaches. And on this day, Microsoft, Apple and Google announced plans to support a common passwordless sign-in standard, which will allow websites and apps to offer consistent, secure and easy passwordless sign-ins to consumers across devices and platforms. Users will sign in to a website or app using the same login process that they already use to log into their device. For example, simple verification of their fingerprint or face or using a device PIN. Apparently, this new approach will be rolled out to devices over the coming 12 months. And the second article this week reminds us that we shouldn't let our bank card travel alone. This next article from the Irish Independent arises from a security alert sent by AIB to its customers last week. It is slightly bizarre, but as AIB's email states, it shows the lengths fraudsters will go to get their hands on your bank card. The email from AIB to its customers is titled, Don't Put Your Bank Card in a Taxi. In the email, AIB informs us that we've heard about cases where a fraudster, pretending to be from AIB, calls or texts you to tell you your card details are already in the wrong hands of criminals, and we, as in AIB, have arranged for a taxi to collect your card from you. A genuine taxi then arrives, collects the card and innocently delivers it into the hands of a real criminal they now have access to the money in your account. AIB then reassures customers that we will never send a taxi to collect your card. I wonder will AIB send another email next week to clarify that they will never send a courier or anyone else to collect the card and that in any circumstances where there is a suspicion that your card may have been compromised, the only action is to shred the card immediately. And the final article this week Ray-Ban stories are coming, and ready or not, you may soon be the star of a Facebook video. This last article arises from a full-page ad which appeared in the Sunday Times last weekend. Titled Your Guide to Smart Glasses, the ad from Meta, also known as Facebook, and Essilor Luxotica, which apparently is Ray-Ban's parent company, explain that smart glasses, such as the Ray-Ban stories devices that will be soon launched by Facebook slash Meta, are not recording you as you go about your business, unless the small LED light in the top corner of the frames is illuminated. When Google launched their smart glasses a number of years ago, there was a public outcry about the devices invading the privacy of anyone who came within a few feet of the wearer. This ad is trying to get ahead of a similar outcry arising in the future. It looks like the product developers believe the public outcry was due to a lack of education rather than any rational concern. Personally, while I accept that it is inevitable that these devices will become popular over the coming years, I'm not particularly comfortable with them. I know people can record us today with their smartphones, but that's pretty obvious and it requires a bit of effort on their part. These newer devices allow for a more covert type of recording. In the not-too-distant future, a voice in my head will be telling me anyone wearing glasses could be wearing smart glasses, and anyone wearing smart glasses could be recording me. 
I don't think I'm the only one with a voice in my head, although maybe I'm the only one with a voice that gets annoyed about invasions of my privacy. But putting aside my own discomfort, there is the question of our right to our expectations of privacy. And our rights and our expectations are different things. Uh, When it comes to rights to privacy, we may expect a right to privacy wherever we go, but our legal rights are limited when we are in a public space. And a public space may include the local coffee shop. However, our rights change if we go somewhere less public. For example, the toilets of that same coffee shop. And my question would be, will the people who use these devices understand the difference? From a data protection perspective, legal issues may also arise if someone records certain public events and then shares the recording. And this is not unique to smart glasses. It arises with mobile phone recordings as well. For example, if someone is recording a religious service and that recording captures the faces of those attending the service, that recording may now contain what GDPR calls special category data, in this case, religious beliefs. However, it could also be argued that the service took place in public, for example, a local church, and so every attendee was publicly proclaiming their religious beliefs, and therefore it's no longer special category data. In any case, a smart glasses wearer or a smartphone user needs to be mindful of the potential legal implications before they publish or share such a recording. And just a disclaimer, I'm not a qualified legal advisor, so if you need data protection legal advice, I suggest you seek qualified legal guidance. And then putting aside the issues of rights to privacy, there's also our perception of privacy. It is a thorny issue because few people, including myself, know the specific legal rights, but we all have perceptions about what's right and wrong. And unfortunately, we don't have an agreed single line that divides what is appropriate and what is intrusive. It seems inevitable that the arrival of these devices will once again cause a few standoffs between those of us who will wear them and those of us who will be worn out trying to go about our business without feeling like we're under surveillance at every turn. The first of two numbers this week is 17%, and that is according to Bitdefender, an antivirus vendor, 45% of the fake domains used in phishing attacks that it detected last month were trying to fool people into thinking they were accessing hotmail.com or gmail.com. And that is not particularly surprising, so that's why 45% is not the number. What is surprising to me is that the next most popular phishing target at 17% of all phishing emails detected by Bitdefender were attempting to spoof a site called myetherwallet.com. This site is described as your gateway to the Ethereum blockchain and enables cryptocurrency enthusiasts to buy and sell cryptocurrency. So it appears that the third most popular target for phishing emails is a website related to cryptocurrency. So I think it's time for a modern remix of a popular children's rhyme. Mary had a crypto wallet, its contents were white as snow, and everywhere the wallet went, the bad guys were sure to go. The second number this week is 41%. And again, according to the same research by Bitdefender, 41% of the malware infections detected on Android devices last month was malware called SMS Send. As the name suggests, this malware sends a copy of every sent or received text message to the bad guys. If you've protected your accounts with multi-factor authentication and it involves a security code being sent to you as a text message to your Android mobile phone, this malware would ensure the bad guys also see this security code. 
This is one reason why security experts recommend that you don't use SMS text messages for multi-factor authentication, but instead use an authenticator app like Google Authenticator. It is also why people like me have a bias against Android devices due to the real or perceived security holes in that platform. And the action this week is if you use an Android device, it's time for a health check. Following up on Bitdefender's report, a regular health check of your Android devices is always worthwhile. I have no personal experience of Android since about 2013, when I decided the platform was too much of a wild west for my own risk appetite. But luckily, there is plenty of advice online, so I recommend you take a look at some of these. For example, AVG has a detailed step-by-step guide on what to do and offers a free scanning tool to help you. Uh, Norton also describes how you can identify signs that there's something amiss with your phone and what to do about it. And finally, Google also provides some guidance on their site. That's it for this week. Until next time, take care.